Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. These tots are covered with melted cheeses, bacon scallions, drizzled with sour cream on top, and served with Steve's very favorite dressing, our homemade ranch, by dipping. Steve got his wish, so we named it for him. Now it's right next or right below the turgeon tenders. They're think, coming off the menu. Turgeon <laughs> tenders have a short shelf life. Yes, no. Sans tots. Yes. How do you feel about that? You happy for that? Some people have doctorates. Some people have tater tots. <laughs> The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. All right. uh, Let me get to the lesser news in my life first, and then the bigger news in my life second. I'm very interested to see how you order this one. The lesser (laughs) news in my life is the basketball is over. It's uh, the Warriors won. Yes. I'm going to have to talk about this, thankfully, for the last time on the PTI show. In fact, the lead I will write says, but we begin today for the last time this year with the NBA Finals. Because I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm going to say two things about the NBA Finals. And I stayed, I watched the first half. That's all I got to is the first half. Two things. I'm happy that the Warriors won. I don't hate the Celtics. Love the Celtics. Celtics are a class organization. Love the Celtics. But I'm happy the Warriors won for this particular reason. I'm so tired of hearing about Kevin Durant's essential quality to the Warriors winning. I'm tired of that. Kevin Durant's the best basketball player in the world. I don't dispute that. I don't dispute it. But now they have what we like to call a BD title before Durant. <laughs> and now they got an AD title after Durant. And the three guys that made that happen were players are Curry, Thompson, and Green. And then the coach, Steve Kerr. They got four now. One before Durant, two with Durant, and then Durant in some crazy uh, decision, thought that it'd be smarter to play with Kyrie Irving than Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Somebody has down the road will get the truth out of that because that's insane. And now they have one after Durant. So we don't have to hear this narrative anymore. We don't have to hear it. I'm happy about that. So I don't want to hear it. Second thing I want to say is not a single game in this series was decided by fewer than 10 points. Last night was 13 or 14. Not a good fourth quarter, not a competitive fourth quarter in the entire series. Most people you talk to, other than Wilbon, because he's there and he loves it and he's immersed in it, he's so immersed in it, he's in a cocoon and can't see the forest for the trees, in my opinion. Most people, you say, how long did you go? And they go, yeah, about six minutes to go, I was done. Because there was no drama. All you ask for as a sports fan with a game is close, late. Mm-hmm. Those two words, close, late. Not a single game, close, late in the finals. I'm not saying they're not great players. I'm not saying the games weren't good to that point. But they were unsatisfying and they were not dramatic. And that's all I have to say. And we're not going to have a guest on that today. Wilbon eventually will talk about it and tell you how great it was. Oh, okay. We look at the world differently. The bigger news in my life. I'd like my son to talk about it's it. About the Phillies coming to town? No, that's big though. <laughs> that's big though because we could ask Steve Rose for some tickets. Uh, yes, I, I, I don't want to get choked up for this, but Father's Day came early in my household. Yeah. Uh, after the show on Wednesday, Liz and I uh, we we went over to Sibley Hospital, and that afternoon, just before four o'clock, really was hoping for a good round number like four o'clock. Uh, we welcomed Reed Rawlings Kornheiser to our family. So it's. Um, it is the birth is on six fifteen, 
Now, I That's sort of like that in this regard because you always that you always think, well, what's going on at six fifteen? Like six fifteen, we'll meet for dinner or drinks or something yeah. like that. Six fifteen has a good ring to it. Now, I would have preferred is just on me. the quarter strong number. Yeah, yeah, I would have preferred six sixteen twenty two because the six and the sixteen That's add up. Good numbers there. Yeah. So I would have yeah, liked well, some that. Some things you don't control. But I'm happy with six fifteen. The boy's name is Reed. Could you spell it? R-E-E-D. Okay, and I bring that up for two reasons. <clears throat> I have no control over names. All right. Yeah, you Did, certainly tried in the past. <laughs> I, I didn't try this time. Uh, you, 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 you asked me a couple of questions. I gave you, you a couple of answers. You showed your influence. I gave you a couple of answers. <laughs> There's a, a pretty well-known lawyer in town named Reed Weingarten. He is R-E-I-D. Oh, sure. R-E-I-D. What I would have preferred. And I, by the oh, way, yeah, we, I like the name Reed. I do. I, I, That's great. I name. didn't think. I mean, I saw it and I went, you know, I like that one. I like Reed. I already have a nickname, the Thin Man, because he's thin as a reed. <laughs> William Powell. Yeah, yeah, the Thin Man. You already make him man. sound like a villain. I got Bootsy he's the Hammer and the Thin Man. 36 years old. But <laughs> hours. Yeah. I'm 36. But Bootsy the Hammer and the Thin Man. But what yeah. I would have preferred. It's a good book title. <laughs> is R-E-A-D, because that would have harkened back to my career. Hey, Reed Kornheiser. He's writing today. Hey, Reed Kornheiser. Now, nobody names their kid Reed R-E-A-D. Nobody names him that. I understand that. But where'd you get Reed from? So this is a, so I sort of like it. This is a family name on Liz's side, and you try and balance these things out. So if you look, all, bo- all three of our boys carry the Kornheiser family name. Uh, and, and we've Which name of, is that? The last name. The last name. Until I'd they change it. Say it's the most important one for you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Grandpa uh, Chan has a great uncle. Uh, this was Huntington Reed. I believe Huntington Reed, who was a big football player at Harvard. Yeah. So we're already all American, right? Already thinking about admissions. Yeah. Though the kid won't play football. What do you? I do. Well, a hammer's going to play football or catch. Think, I don't think football be uh, will be sort of still as available to them in the next fifteen to twenty years. But that's just me. No. So yeah, well, we've uh, you try and approach each child and the name process to try and find something that's unique to them and natural to them in that moment where we are as a family. Because already we're trying to think how are the, what are the boys going to nickname this little guy? What are they going to call him? Uh, so we are, we're already predicting the, the preschool crowd going, hi, Weed. As they, weed. As, yeah, as they tried. Uh, <laughs> That'd be work, Bob Cousy would say they that. They tried Hello, Weed through that R, that strong got to know R's. Bob Cousy to know yeah, that. And then, um, <laughs> you know, it's amazing. You go to the hospital, and I'm just, I'm going by these rooms, and I go, I remember that's where Henry was born, and that's the hallway where I remember calling up you and calling up mom, and, and the first thing you're saying is, you can't name Henry Philip. That's your name. It's your name. And just waiting for the hammer to drop as you, as you show the criticism here. So, yeah, Reed and Rawlings are family names. So... Rawlings is not a name that, that I, it, if you gave me 100 shots, it's a baseball glove. Yeah. So I was going for Wilson A2000. So, but you had, didn't you have a Rawlings glove? I had yeah, a Rawlings glove. I, I had a Rawlings, the Tony Gwynn model. Yeah. Oh, so I'm thinking this kid's nice. got to be a baseball player. In. Yeah. I think that, I think that's, just make sure he does everything left-handed. So we've, we've been, and this Rawlings. is, what's so great about is our Is that pedi- a family name? Yeah. Is that a first name or a last so, name? What's so great about our pediatrician is she is a Nats fan, and oftentimes we're able to sort of uh, punt the appointment down the line as we lament over what's going on with the team. <laughs> like and, Corbin. Yeah. And so every time we're like, we're, we're really hoping that he's a lefty closer. She's like, okay, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> Did you well, not think of Wander possibly as a name? Swear Still. a wandering, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reed Dad doesn't Rollins. like ER names. We learned that after Walker. Oh, but well, okay. Yeah. But I like, that's right. It's <laughs> you not don't even it, hide. Uh, no. Uh, ER names, um, British occupations in the 1600s. Yeah. Yeah. 
But that's me. It's not my child. Right. You named me after Mick Jagger. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Philip Jagger. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's a star. Rawlings. It's a last name to me, but I'm I'm not, I'm good with it because it's a baseball glove. Yeah, I'm good with it for that. Did you had to have thought of that that it's a baseball glove? Yeah, and that's one reason why you might say it's it's uh, less problematic for a middle name if you're worried about what are people oh, going to yeah. call you. So yeah, yeah. So I'll go back in my life with the name Reed. I don't have any. I mean, Robert Reed was an actor on television. Sure. Donna Reed, everybody loved. Everybody yes. loved Donna Reed. R E E D. Yep. Nobody likes Patrick Reed. <laughs> Nobody likes. <laughs> Nobody. Did God, you? you? Yes, of course. And of you Sliza. thought about that, Sliza, right? Of course, Sliz is. You know, he probably has all the live players. Uh, live Moss uh, <laughs> starred on his on his U.S. Open app, and of course, he goes to Patrick Reed. No, we. This is. Uh, it's. I think it's so fun to go down the history of family names and to try and think about how you can bring those into to sort of new generations. Uh, again, I'm I'm a child of adoption, and to think about how I'm able to have our family going forward be a hybrid and honor and recognize where both sides of our families come from. Um, uh, yes, sorry. No. So, but I mean, how long? How long? I never asked you about a name. I never asked about the sex of the child, if you knew or not. Well, I didn't rules. want to know. I didn't want to know. And I never asked about a name. How long t- t- did you have, were it a boy? Or would you, if it was a girl, would it be Reed too? Uh, so it could, I mean, could be. If yeah, sure. this is uh, behind the curtain, if you're to go back to my little notebook where we keep all the scores from our experts picking football games, you will see roughly handwritten versions of dozens of names. So don't don't find that notebook. Uh, so we've had names that have been, you know, sort of we've been talking about for years because, again, this is boy number three for us. Yeah. And I – every pregnancy presents its own problems. And I, and I know there's a lot of our listeners who are who are sort of dealing with family planning or, or what that looks like for them. So you don't want to try and – you don't want to try and look too far forward. Uh, so we obviously shared names that we thought were nice, that we thought might sound great. And then going into the, the final stretch, you sort of try and rally around something that is that is really um, that's really exciting. And we did not want to have the exact name picked out beforehand, so you pick maybe one or two, and then you try and write them out by hand to see how they feel on paper, how they're gonna you know how they're gonna sound when you know the the director of the school calls their name or when they're signing up for for an after school program. So uh, we did not have that name. Detention finalized. again. Yeah, detention. Reed Kornheiser. Come to the principal. Kornheiser the third. <laughs> Yeah. So. No, so we had we had two names that we felt, you know, very good about. The other name uh, don't ever have to share. Yeah. No, don't, don't, yeah. don't. But I will say, um because everybody who knows me knows that I have been critical of names. <laughs> I have been and I have not I have my own agenda for names. Everyone does, and that's perfectly fine. I saw Reed, I looked at it, and I said, you know what? I like that. Now the first thing I thought of, honestly was a reed in an instrument, because it was R-E-E-D, and I thought of Chuck Todd. <laughs> I did. I thought Chuck Todd in the French horn. Yeah. And then I thought of the thin man, because everybody says thin is a reed. Yeah, right? That's yes. a very common thing. Yes. Then I thought of the thin man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get to that later. Yeah. Yeah. It's a drawing. It's a very lovely it- drawing that we got. You know, cartoon drawing. Yeah. We're doing a show here. <laughs> By right? the way, Willis Reed, another Reed. Willis Reed. Yeah. yeah everybody, lo- I love the captain, number 19. 
I might call the kid the captain, yeah. but I was thinking of the thin man. The, uh, but how about the captain? I kind of like the captain. How about captain, the captain? Number captain, 19. Captain. Left side, number 19. <laughs> Willis Reed. Oh, maybe the captain. I like Bootsy, that. Bootsy, the Boots. hammer and the captain. <laughs> now that's a TV show. Yeah. What do you think? I like that. <laughs> so he'll be the captain. I wouldn't have done that if yeah. you hadn't come up with that. Well, actually, Sean texted me and said, don't forget Willis Reed. So we'll give Sean credit yeah. for that. Yeah. But I do have this list. I, I don't know any. I don't know anyone's... Um, again, Reed Weingarten. I don't know any other Reed as a first name. I'm sure there are. I just don't know any. But you'd see this for when you have a last name like Kornheiser, and you want a short it's first. A, name. It's a long last name, yes. and and yes. for this generation in this area, it is a. It's still recognized. It sounds unique, so it stands out. So you sort of want a name that plays well off it. What no, the, I totally agree. One of the best people I've ever known. And was, we dropped the ball with Walker. So A friend well. of mine named Reed Cattell. Oh, just, so, okay, so yeah. you know a Reed. Yeah, yeah, just one of the best people I've ever known. So that's, so it's, Do you know it's, any? No. I taught a Reed uh, many years ago, but no, it's, I don't... Uh, you're also trying to... You, you look through these names, and, there's, and I don't, I don't want to you know, slight any name, but you, you're trying sitting there going... You know, like Henry is a popular name, but it's also a, it's a family name. It sort of fits, but there's other names that become the name of the 2010s. I think you need to have, you know, as, as Heather was 30 years ago or something like that, or Tiffany, something like that. I think you need, and I always did this, um, because Kornheiser is, it's not just that it's long and hard to pronounce and all of that. It's that it's, it's dominant. It's long and it's sort of, it's, I wanted my children to have very common, popular names because I thought their last name was difficult. So in other words, I would not have done, I don't want to, you know, slide yeah, be careful with the name. It. Yeah. I would not have done, because Elizabeth is a long name, but it's a, it's a very, everybody knows the name Elizabeth. I would have not... Going for something esoteric, but also Elizabeth, I did not want Elizabeth to do gives that. Gives you a lot of paths where a lot of people go professionally as Liz, Liz, or, you know, Lizzie, Betsy, Beth. Yeah, all of that. And Michael is about the most common name. I felt if you're going to have a last name that is utterly uncommon, give your children. Well, then you go through elementary school as Michael K, because of course in the '90s there's four or five Michaels in every class. Sure, sure. I've, I've probably told you the story before. My dear friend Jody Forstadt. His um, brother is Stephen. So Stephen Forstadt is about, he's close to 80 years old. So you, you go back to that period of time in the 1940s, the, you know, the early to mid-1940s. Uh, and when his brother got to college, there were like nine Stevens on the floor, and this is Princeton. He went to Princeton. Nine Stevens on the floor. So they all made a deal. They would go by their middle names. His middle name was Lance. At that point, he became Lance for the rest of his life. Sure. Because there were so many Stevens, and that's true with Michael. There's that's, so that's many like Michaels. the last time you could probably change your name that easily because you're just in this new world of college. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, and you can do it then. Yeah. Beyond that, it's hard. And you don't have an email address yet. Right. Can I, um, I, I like to do this when, when people are born to tell, you know, wh who, whose birthdays they share. Have nice. you looked this up yet? No, I've not. First oh, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Yes, that's on the list. Tim Lincecum. Remember him? Yeah. Oh, yeah, was a great uh, Neil Patrick Harris, Andy Pettit, Justin Leonard, Courtney Cox, Ice Cube, 
Helen Hunt, Wade Boggs. Why didn't you name him Ice Cube? <laughs> this, is, these are, this is a strong list. It's very good. This is a very good day. Jim Belushi, uh, the head of China, Xi Jinping. Dusty Baker shares a birthday with Young Reed. The Love high that. Five. Mike Holmgren, Johnny Halliday, the famous uh, yeah, French, French singer. French, French yep. Beatle. Harry Nilsson. Billy Williams, uh, Wilbon yes, yes. would love that. Yes, yes. Waylon Jennings, Mario Cuomo, and this is the largely accepted date that Ben Franklin put that kite up in the sky in 1752 to conduct his. Now you don't want to name your kid Kite Kornheiser. <laughs> no, no, that's no. not going to work. But that's a good day. That's a lot of that's good. A birthdays. strong day. Strong yes, birthday. So good for him. Again, if only four o'clock on the dot. I tried. I tried to get the nurses. Like, are we leaning four o'clock? And they're like, no, three fifty-nine forty seconds. <laughs> We'll take a break. When we return, uh, Tim Kirkchin will join us. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run to the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or... Could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week of the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a band called the Young Rochelles. The lead guy is Ricky Rochelle. This is described to me as pop punk by Jerry Silverstein, who sends the music in. Says, by way of introduction, I'm Jerry Silverstein. I graduated Harper College in Binghamton in 1969. I had friends in common with Tony. My path after Harper took me into teaching, where I ended up in a wonderful middle school directing plays, teaching theater and video production. During my last decade teaching, I had the opportunity to pursue songwriting, spend time in Nashville, ended up with a Tony nomination from my work on Urban Cowboy on Broadway. <laughs> that recognition opened a number of doors for me, and I've spent recent years working with young singer-songwriters. I want you to introduce you to one of them, a talented pop-punk musician, Ricky Rochelle. He'll have two songs for us today. This is called All She Needs. It's lovely. It in is. In its own way. Yeah. And it plays in Tim Kirkchen. Tim, um, you know, normally I would start with the Nats and how stinking they are and how... Uh, Patrick Corbin, I don't care if none of the runs are earned. He couldn't get anybody out after there was an error. But I'm not, I'm not even going to do that. I'm not even going to do that. Um, I want to start sort of with the Phillies because the Nats still have to play them 18 more times, and the Nats are not going to win three of those games. It's going to be 2-17 and 17, the season series. So the Phillies fired Joe Girardi and cannot lose. And the Angels fired Joe Madden. And win here and there, but it's not, it's not like one, it's not like it was the same miracle cure for both teams. How do you assess that? What does that say about the manager that was fired, if anything? 
I don't think it says much, Tony, except for this. I've found with our players in baseball, and this probably goes for all of society, at some point they're tired of hearing a certain voice, and all you have to do is present a new voice, and sometimes they respond. Joe Girardi had it was a little bit uptight about things. He'll be the first to acknowledge that. He grinds it out a little too much, and I think a new voice there really helped. But let's not forget, Tony, they have a bad defensive team. They have a terrible bullpen, and they lost a game in the ninth inning the other night that was just ridiculous. So I don't think they're all better, and now they're going to, even though they're 10-2 and in June, they're going to go make the playoffs for sure. I don't think so. And as far as the Angels go, I mean, Joe Madden was completely opposite of Joe Girardi. He was the one that wasn't grinding every day, according to some people, and therefore that was a bad thing, which I don't believe either one of them is a bad thing. I just believe that our players today don't respond maybe like they used to to the manager, no matter who the manager is, and after two, three, four, five years, that's enough, and you got to get another voice in there. So I don't think that... um... I don't think that somebody wakes up, a general manager or an owner wakes up one morning and says, that's it for this guy. I think you think about it for a while. I think it takes four, five, six, seven, eight days. I don't, I, I, I'm sure you agree with me. It, it, these are not spur-of-the-moment decisions. And yet... They're not. Yeah, no, sorry. They're, so they're planned. Um, and yet, maybe 99% of the time, they bring in a guy from the coaching staff. Like, they don't go out and hire a guy. You know what I mean? They just plug a guy in from the coaching staff. Do you think that's smart? Well, I've never quite understood that because, Rob, like, look at Rob Thompson, for instance, with the Phillies, who's done a great job. He's been with Joe Girardi for a long time. They think yeah. much the same way. So he's just an extension of Joe Girardi. He just does things in a slightly different way, and and eventually that team had to get better because it couldn't get worse. Now, in the case of Phil Nevin with Joe Madden, they don't have that same kind of history. Phil Nevin is very much an old-school baseball guy who isn't interested in the analytics. Neither was Joe Madden, but Phil's going to... Phil's going to do things a little differently than Joe also. So, yes, they've been thinking about it with Madden. Well, I repeat, yes. did not deserve to get fired. They've been right. thinking about it. He kind of messed up this spring saying Mike Trout might have to move out of center field, which was not really supposed to be said. Then he intentionally walked somebody with nobody on base, Corey Seager. The thing, this didn't just wake up one morning and say, we have to do this. But I must say, both of these teams woke up one morning and said, this season is slipping away now, and we're going to have yes. to. We're going to do it. We have to do it now. Do you agree with me? This is so far afield, although it's the subject of managing. Do you agree with me that if the Washington Nationals were not for sale, both Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez would be gone by now? Um, I'm not quite so sure about that. Okay. I mean, Mike Rizzo has, Mike Rizzo especially has an excellent reputation in the game. And the fact that they won it all in 2019, I think, gives both of those guys a little longer leash. Um, but the sale of the team thing, I must say, Tony, has me confused. I'm not sure, I'm not sure if this 
what this means. I mean, does this mean you have to resign Juan Soto? Does this mean Soto is definitely leaving? Does what does this mean for Rizzo and Martinez? I must yeah. say, I'm having a little trouble figuring out the strategy of all this. All right, let's shift to the Braves, a team that has been very good for five or six or seven years. This year, without Freddie Freeman, they've won 14 in a row. Um, they won the World Series last year. You could look at that team over the last, as I say, five, six, seven years and say they could have won another World Series or two. I mean, the Dodgers, the Braves, um, the Astros, these are really good teams. They're at the top all the time. It's 14 in a row. That's, is, the, is that significant? Or in the course of a 162-game season, is a good team going to get a couple of 10s and the 14 doesn't really matter? No, I think it does matter because I think there was a question about the Braves early without Freddie Freeman, even though I didn't think there should have been big questions because the guy they replaced him with, Matt Olson, is really good. good. Yeah, There were questions, Ronald Acuna, is he healthy? Well, now he is. What's happened mm-hmm. now, Tony, is not only have they pitched really well, but they, they are on a pace to have the second most home runs in any calendar month of any team in history. So they they are now following the formula. Let's catch it, let's throw strikes, and let's hit the ball out of the ballpark, and that's how you win. They hit 17 home runs in a four-game span, Tony. No four-game span in the history of the Braves have they ever hit 17 homers. Not with the Hank Aaron and, Not with Aaron and, and Matthews. Matthews. None right. of those guys. So that's how, that's how offensive the Braves have become. And I think 14-0, and 0, not only makes them a surefire playoff team again, but it makes the Mets wonder, are we really going to win this division when I think three weeks ago there were people saying, oh, the Mets are definitely going to win this division. We, we uh, scrubbed a story on PTI yesterday about baseball in order to do a story on the U.S. Open. The story about baseball was this. And I was going to ask Wilbon, which is more impressive to you, the Braves' 14-game winning streak or the Yankees' being 30 games over 500. Well, the story isn't good anymore because now they're 31 games <laughs> over 500. Tim, this is, it, it, the answer is the Yankees, is it not? That's the answer. The, the answer is the Yankees. Tony, the yeah. Yankees have a 2.78 ERA this year. That is historically low for their team this time of the year. They've won 40 of the last 50 games. They've played 800 baseball over the last 50 games. We all know they can hit the ball out of the ballpark, and now Aaron Judge is doing things that only Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle have done as far as home runs to start a season in X number of games. He's become the best player in the American League this year, but mostly their pitching is so good. Tony, this guy Nestor Cortez, who you've heard of, I'm sure. I was talking heard to Aaron him, Boone in spring training him. about him, and I went through their rotation in spring training. I got to fifth, and I say, and, and Nestor's your fifth starter, right? And he went, fifth? He goes, he's going to make the All-Star team. That was in spring training. Now he might even start the All-Star game. That's how good he's been, a short, kind of heavy set guy with a strange mustache, but he can really pitch, even though he doesn't throw particularly hard. You put all of this together, and the Yankees are clearly the best team in the American League, and they're the best team in baseball with the way they've played. I will just give people a statistic that's interesting. The Yankees are the sixth team all time to go 46-16 and 16 in the first 62. They're now 47-16. and 16. 
The other five teams that have done this, four have won the World Series. So if you're handicapping this right now, Tim, you look at the Yankees. The Yankees leading baseball in home runs and ERA, which is unthinkable. And what else is there? There's home runs and ERA, and they're leading baseball in this. You have to think they're the best team in all of baseball by a substantial margin, I would think. I think so, especially with the issues that the Dodgers have now with their pitching. Walker Bueller's going to be out for two months. Tony, as of the other day, I haven't updated in two days. The Yankees had hit 98 homers and given up 48 homers. That's (laughs) unheard of to hit that many and give up so few. And that's, that's a big difference. The other difference is, Tony, their infield defense is not good now. It's great. Last year was terrible. The catching situation, every time Gary Sanchez had a pass ball last year, people just threw up their arms. Well, their catching is really good. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, their shortstop, can really catch and throw, and I mean really. And Anthony Rizzo every day at first, Josh Donaldson at third. Look, when your pitchers know, if I put the ball in the grass here, if I put the ball in play here, not only are we going to get an out, we might get two outs, it changes everything for the pitching staff. And that's what also has happened to the Yankees. Great bullpen, great rotation, tremendous offensive team, and now a great defensive infield. And to go from the sublime to the ridiculous Steven Strasburg. What are, what are we talking about here? I mean, you, you reach a point where I think you have to look at Steven Strasburg and honestly say, I don't know if he'll ever pitch again. I don't know. Tony, I just I refuse to go there this quickly. Really? He's only okay. 33 years old. I, I understand what you're saying, and you're not the only one to say it. But, and, and it is confusing that now a rib injury is connected potentially to an arm injury. I'm confused about all of that. I just, given how much money he's being paid, given that <laughs> I know he cares and he wants to pitch, I just refuse to believe he'll never pitch again. But he's pitched once, Tony, in the last you know year and three weeks. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And I feel so sorry for him and for the Nationals. But maybe, maybe there's just another reminder. This guy's had a history of injuries, and it's not going away. He's been on the DL, or whatever they call it now, 15 times, Tim, for a pitcher. Tony, I, I think Maddox and Glavin... Went on, as member of the Braves, went on the, the um, ILDL one time in all their years <laughs> just... through, through their time with the Cubs, with Maddox, and all the way through his Braves one time. And I think the common denominator was those guys threw all the time. They threw in between starts. They never missed a bullpen session. And yeah. maybe it's also that they had a better delivery. Maybe they didn't have max effort on every pitch like Steven Strasburg. It still hurts my arm, my arm, to watch that guy throw because it's so violent. Maybe it is just caught up to him as opposed to the way that Maddox and Glavin, for instance, would throw a baseball. Not everybody's body is equipped to do what they want to do. It's just not. I watched him the other night. I was encouraged because he had five strikeouts because I didn't think he was hurt because we know what it looks like when he's hurt. He looks at his arm, he looks at the dugout, the trainer comes out, that's it. And that did not happen. But And, and I'll ask you this, because you will know, he was topping out at 90. I'm just assuming he did not throw as hard as he could, because I don't think you can be a major league starter 
top of the rotation at 90. Tony, he's the first guy that I remember, and I'm sure I missed somebody, who threw his changeup at 90. That's how yeah. good he was in his prime. He's throwing 98 with a changeup at 90. Now he threw his fastball at 90. And this, the, the really sad part, Tony, about all this is when he does pitch and he's not hurt, he's still really good. I mean, he's the yeah. MVP of the World Series. He led the league in innings pitched in 2019. His career numbers, 324 ERA, he's averaged ten and a half strikeouts per nine innings. He's won almost 65% of his games, and it hurts so much for him and the team that somebody who's that good just can't go out there. Uh, you see it in sports. I mean, there are injury-prone people. You see it. The, the kid on the Carolina Panthers gets hurt yeah. all the time. Gets hurt all and, the time. He led the league in yard, total yards from scrimmage one year. He can't get on the field. Christian right. McCaffrey can't get on the field. Right. And, Tony, look, we get killed all the time as writers, including you, for, for you know, saying, oh, he's a compiler. He just, because he showed up every day and played well, I'm giving guys extra credit points for being good enough to play yes. every day and play yes. every day for 20 years. Don Sutton, everyone said, he's not a Hall of Famer. Well, he made 25 starts or more for 20 seasons. That's hard to do. That You deserve some credit for doing that. And I, I'm always amazed that we just say, well, it's okay, he got hurt. Well, that's part of the business is trying to stay healthy. Some guys can and some guys can't. That's right. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, thank you. Talk soon. Okay, Tony. Talk to you soon. Tim, Tim Kirkchen, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We will come back. Uh, Barry Verluga will join us from uh, Brookline, Massachusetts. Unless he just left. <laughs> Unless he just said, I'm done with this. <laughs> I'm Tony Kornheiser. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Ricky Rochelle. He fronts a band called The Young Rochelles, but he's got a solo album out, which is called So Far So Good. I, you know, this is not the kind of music I like, but if you give it to me for 20 seconds, I begin to think it's really good. Yeah. You know, punk rock. Punk really, pop. Yeah, yeah. Punk, it, uh, it's really sort of good. It's Because it's, it's it so is. catchy. It's movie yeah. ready. Yeah. It's 100% soundtrack. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. This is called Exceptionally Loved. This plays in Barry's Verluga, who was in Brookline, Massachusetts, near his boyhood home, um, covering the U.S. Open. You know, the easy question is, 
what's it like up there. But, I, you know, I, may, I took some notes this morning. I took some notes. And we're all part of this drama. I know Michael doesn't want to be part of this drama. And because it's, it's almost one, it's really one-sided. If you watch television, if you watch television coverage of golf, you get tremendous anti-Saudi tour stuff. I mean, it's really tremendous. And you have to step back for a second and ask the television networks to say the following sentence. We are full partners with the PGA Tour. That's what we are. That's why we take this position. Writers don't have to have that position. But of the people who were on the Saudi Tour, Patrick Reed shot even. Bryson DeChambeau shot plus one. Sergio Garcia, Garcia plus four. Taylor Gooch plus four. Kevin Na, who was leading at one point, plus five. Louis Oosthuizen, plus seven. And the great Phil Mickelson, plus eight. Does that suggest a morality play yet, or do we wait it out, or do we try, Barry, to try to get away from it because it has been all over us, and I'm part of this too, all over us for a week or so? Well, I mean, I think yesterday it was irresponsible to get away from it, and I do Mm -hmm. think... Uh, Tony, I completely agree with you. You know, in watching the coverage of the Canadian Open and Rory Ooh. McElroy's win and, and Jim Nance and Nick Faldo basically just spewing the PGA Tour company line, yeah. I mean, I am, I am absolutely um, against the idea of live golf, um, but not because it presents a threat to the PGA Tour. I mean, that's, that's just competition. I'm, I'm against it because... I think these guys are taking blood money. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say yesterday's results, um, you know, have some sort of karmic uh, play in, in, in all of this. But I would say this, that right now, um, other than Reed, other than DeChambeau, um, other than maybe Dustin Johnson, who shot 68 yesterday. Um, oh, I forgot about him. I apologize for that. Yeah. Yeah. The collective of, of, um, and, you know, some of the stars that are that Liv is hanging its brand on at the moment, Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, Graham McDowell, are not good enough to be here. This is collectively a group of either guys who have kind of kicked around a little bit, like Kevin Na and Taylor Gooch, but mostly aging to actually aged stars. I mean, yesterday was Phil's 52nd birthday. He hasn't played any competitive golf um, other than that one live event since February. Um, He couldn't possibly have any form. It didn't look yesterday like he had much interest either. Um, So I think, I I know everybody kind of wants the story to go away. The, The problem is, is that over the course of the summer, it's going to grow because they're not going to get fewer players and they're going to get some players who make you say, oh, goodness, the balance is tipping. I'm not saying it's tipping to live, but it's every person that goes um, makes that that side of the scale a little bit heavier. Um, And if they start to get some young guys in in their prime, more guys in their prime, um, you know, they're not going to get Justin Thomas. They're not going to get Jordan Spieth. They're not going to get John Rahm. They're not going to get... those kind of anchors of the PGA Tour, Rory is not going there, and he's speaking very eloquently about why, why he's not. Um, but they're going to get some people, and that means there's going to have to be some sort of come-to-Jesus meeting with all the powers that be to sort this out, because you're not, nobody wants a product that is 
not send out on a week to week level, but send out through the through the sport. You don't want the majors send out. Uh, you don't want the Ryder Cup send out. You don't want you want people tune in. Whoever sponsors it, people are going to tune in for the biggest stars, the best fields, the best courses, the best competition. Um, and anything that threatens all of that is is a story. And and you know I'm sorry that that kind of overtakes the U.S. Open at, at the first round, but that overtakes the U.S. Open in the first round. It does, certainly does, certainly does. That's why I emailed you or texted you about Kepka. I mean, shut up, Kepka. I mean, honest to God. I mean, really. Brutal. Of course, that's the story right now. Um, I don't suspect that Phil would get heckled, though he was certainly castigated in the Boston Herald the other day. But I don't suspect he'll get heckled because people like Phil. Were any of the Saudi guys heckled on any level? So, you know, it's hard to say because you can't be an 18 holes yep. with, you know, all these guys. I did go to, to the first tee for DJ and Phil. They were in the afternoon. And you know how this works, Tony. It's like you're looking at it's 2 o'clock when they tee off or close to 2. And you, you got to write. So I was there for the for the first tee, and the best thing anybody said, I mean, Phil, Phil was warmly received. I was there when he, he was on 18, finishing up as well, and, and, I mean, one woman in particular, we love you, Phil, the PGA Tour can't tell you what to do, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, it's his birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, lefty, you know, on the, on the first tee, and one guy says, hey, Phil, Celtics are giving three and a half this afternoon. <laughs> Who, this is not tonight. Who you got? Robert's the lead official. So yeah. that was that was kind of the best uh, zinger. But it didn't have anything to do with the Saudi money, right? Like that's right. like Phil. Phil's kind of come clean about his gambling. It got out of control. He's I, he came cleaner than I thought he was going to come about it. And um, and so that was he took it he took it in stride. Um, he shot seventy eight. I saw him, you know, sporadically throughout the day, and he. I mean, he was just, you know, he four-putted the sixth green. Um, he was not good. He will not be here for the weekend, but he was thumbs up and, and smiling uh, for the crowd. And, and you know, the, the thing that people have said for so many years about that is, um, you know, oh, is that disingenuous? You know, is that real? Is it any kind of a fraud, a phony, blah, 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 blah. Tell the kid that he gives a ball to as he walks off the eighth green to the ninth tee, that that's fraudulent. You know, tell the kid that he signs an autograph for, and he, he just signed, he signed a, more autographs than anybody out here ever. Tell the kid who receives that that that's fake. It, it, at some level, it doesn't really matter. Um, so from what I saw, he was absolutely mostly um, wide, uh, or warmly received. Um, I did hear yeah. a few people mutter like, oh, you broke my heart, Phil. Um, but it, it wasn't in a jeering kind of way. Um, he's been killed on television, on the Golf Channel, on CBS, on NBC. He's been killed. People ought to remember that over the last 25 years, he's second to Tiger Woods in popularity. Second. He's the most important golfer second to Tiger Woods in the last 25 years. And I find it distasteful the way that they are piling on him now. I, I mean, I'm with you. I wish he hadn't taken the money. I think it's bad. But... To react to him that way, because you have this opportunity, and you're a full partner with the PGA Tour, at least, you know, disclose this at some point, right, Barry? Disclose well, it. Well, absolutely, and also, you know, distinguish why you're railing against him. Um, is it because, it, it seems to me that the PGA Tour is certainly trying to set this up as, you know, 
we're righteous and he's the renegade, right? Yes. And, and But what's righteous about the PGA Tour and what is it, there's a, there's a dynamic here, Tony, where the people in golf kind of want to say, oh, we want to grow the game and we want to make sure it's, it has immense popularity Please. and it's a global sport. Where, meanwhile, the, all the entities are infighting against each other. The PGA Tour wants to be more prominent than the RNA, which runs the um, Open Championship, right? So they don't want to necessarily promote the British Open if it's at the expense of the events that it stages. And, and that's what's got to get cleared up here. It, Greg Norman saw an opening and was provided an endless pit of money by the, the, I mean, and when I say endless pit of money, it's because it is an endless pit of money. That yes. one, one reason why this is a threat, a, a real threat to, to the golf establishment is it does not matter whether Live Golf is a viable financial entity. They will just stick another drill in the desert and spout more oil and provide more money. So, so that's, that's a problem. Um, I think what, when people get sanctimonious about, oh, these guys went and grabbed the cash, um, it, it shouldn't be because that's an affront or a threat to the PGA Tour. I mean, who cares? Like, they're in, at some level, like, survival of the fittest should, should prevail here. Um, again, I, I'll just go back to I have trouble with the source of the money, the direct source of the money, um, and the fact that that regime that is directly providing the funds has just a horrific rend, uh, record on, on human rights and, and, you know, is waging a war in Yemen and all the stuff that we probably don't want to talk about here. But it has to come back to that because that has to be the problem. And you're right, Tony, anybody who is commentating on this on, on TV, please, viewer, look at that person and consider where their checks are coming from Full, and what yes. their relationship Full is with, with the PGA Tour. Yeah, absolutely. Full partner. Um, a PGA rooting hard for Rory. I like Rory. I've always liked Rory. I loved Rory's temper yesterday. He got in the sand. He Two shots in the sand with a club just breaking up the sand. He threw his club on his last hole. He, had, he hit one on the right into the spinach, and he threw his club, which made me so happy because I've not seen that from Rory. Were you, did you by any chance see Rory out there do those things? Yeah, so that's who – I mean, he's the easy follow in the morning, right? So, yeah. Um, and, you know, he's coming off a win, and he's been so vocal, and he's playing so well. Um, so, yeah, that's absolutely uh, where I was. And so on the uh, drivable par four fifth, he hits it in a bunker with three wood on, on the right, and he's got that awkward stance. And Terrible you're right, Tony, stance. Like, you, it, but it, uh, he said afterward um, the reason he was frustrated is that the longest grass on this course is the grass around the bunkers. And so instead of the ball rolling down into the bunker where it would settle at the bottom, and, and these bunkers are deep and, and, and tough, but you know, these guys are the best in the world. If they've got a, a clean lie in a bunker, they got a good chance of advancing it. Um, he just had a, uh, he, he, it was kind of a, this is going to happen in the U.S. Open. I need to take my medicine. It doesn't mean I can't be really ticked off about taking my medicine, so I'm going to whack at the sand here. Because he said, I was already standing and mess, messed it up. I couldn't mess it up anymore for my caddy, so I took out my frustrations. But the, the his ninth hole, which... I'm sorry, the, the ninth hole, which the last is 18th, hole. Yes. where he threw, threw his club. Yeah. Once, once he made the turn in two under, he, his mindset was, okay, let's get through this day without a bogey because 
if I get through this day without a bogey, it can't be. It's impossible for it to be bad. Um, and that led to his only bogey of the day, that, that one shot from the fairway on, on nine. So That's right. I like the emotion. I like the form. He putted great yesterday. Uh, made um, it, it, On that fifth hole, he made just a clutch 15-footer for par. Um, that's the kind of stuff that sometimes gets away from him, that if he does this week um, in a leaderboard that right now is a bunch of nobodies in him, um, he's, he's got a very good ch- chance to be there in the afternoon on Sunday. But I will say this to you. If that was Sergio Garcia or Patrick Reed doing that in the bunker or throwing a club on his last hole, that would be a headline. People would say, what the hell is this? Look at this guy. If it was John Rahm three years ago, you'd go, oh, he can't control his temper. I'm just saying that, and I love Rory, and that's, you know, that's also true. And I would think that not, I'm not saying this for the Saudi Tour or the PGA Tour. I'm saying this for golf fans. If the final twosome is Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy, you got yourself a morality play, don't you think? Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, and, and yeah, DJ, um, with the 68 yesterday, you know, he hasn't played a ton of golf. You wonder about his, and he hasn't actually, frankly, been good for about, you know, 12 months or so. That's right. Um, so, uh, and he's 37, he's not, I mean, not that he can't win, but he, he's not, um, you know, he's not 28 anymore. Um, so, yes, that's, that's absolutely right, and, and you do... I do think this thing sets up as uh, a potential us versus them or them versus us kind of scenario when any one of those, you know, if people were intrigued, how are they going to do the pairings? Are they going to pair three live guys together so they all get along? Or are they going to mix and match? Are they really going to do the, you know, kind of um, Batman versus the Joker kind of situation? Um, all of that stuff comes into play. It'll come into play in the majors uh, going forward. Because that's right now the only crossover opportunities that that these guys have. Um, there's so much to be settled here, and it feels like it's going to get more unsettled before we find out what the new reality is on the other side. I agree. Thank you so much. Enjoy it. Enjoy it up there, because I mean it, that's a cool event. The U.S. Open's a cool event. Thank you, Barry. Appreciate it, Tony. Thanks. Barry's Verluga. You can read him in the Washington Post. We'll take a break. Uh, email and jingle. When that's- I return, I'm Tony Kornheiser. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. This past fall, I got an Apple phone to call Matt and Julia before each show. And then slowly but surely, the signal died. Now the landline's what I'm on. <laughs> oh, Tracy, do you know what's wrong with my device? Does my child across the table have advice? Can I click on the settings to get 5G? Can I get any help from Comcast or AT&T? No, I don't think so. No, 
don't think so. That's Jerry Negrelli accompanied by Chessie the dog <laughs> barking in the background. That's great. Chessie he's taking the baseline. He's such a good singer. He really is. He's what? He's nope. he's so good. That's Landslide, by the way, by Fleetwood. That's lovely. Yeah, That's Steve just Nick's lovely. so good. Just lovely. When is that? Is the Jingles this week? The Jingle Fest? 25th. We announced it. Next 20, Saturday. Yeah, 25th. That's right. Okay, next Saturday. Yes. Okay. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel? Later? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Chessie's very excited about the bagels. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you, then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. In dog speak, that means I would like a bagel sandwich. <laughs> in dog yes. speak, that means turn the dial. <laughs> Uh, that'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say the summer wind came blowing in from across the sea. It lingered there, so warm and fair to walk with me. All summer long, we sang a song, and then we strolled on golden sand. Two amigos, Jack, <laughs> and the summer wind. And Frank Sinatra, when he does this, when he says, you know, you stick around, Jack, you might know. He just butchers the lyrics. It's so wonderful. Thanks to our guests today, Barry's Verluga, Tim Kirkchen. Thanks to today's sponsors, Progressive, Shopify, MeUndies. Great read by Michael. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. So I've got some emails here. This one says, um, Mr. Tony, I'm a contemporary Long Islander, Long Islander, Plain Edge High School class of 67. The great softball team to which you referred was County Sports, 100% right, based in Levittown. Their very big home run hitter who led the team was Jim Galloway. Other stars on that team were former St. John's basketball players Hank Kluse and Bobby Doerr. Thanks for reminding me of some great nights at the beach. It was a great venue. On a separate note, did you ever play in the open hoops division at Hickey Field in Rockville Center? Another great late 60s, early 70s venue on Long Island, like Bob Hope said. Thanks for the memory. Steve from Bonita Springs, Florida. Um, Jim Galloway. I remember county sports. They killed it. They hit it. Hit a ton, 350 right? in the air. <laughs> softball. And they just killed it. And Hickey Field was where all the great basketball players played. If you thought you were a good high school basketball player on the south shore of Long Island in Nassau County, you went to Hickey Field at night and you played. And that's where, and Michael will remember this name, Frankie Alasia became a very great player. Beaver Smith, you played at Hickey Field. Peter Crotty. Yeah, you didn't have the good. ankles for that. You know, No, not at all. From David Sampson in Westport, Connecticut. Big Love and Spoonful fan. Have all the original LPs in my collection. The late Zalyanovsky. I didn't know he was the late Zalyanovsky. The late Zalyanovsky was the cousin of Lucy Koplansky, whose music you featured recently at our concerts, of which my wife and I have attended many. Amazing. She has spoken of the family connection and her relatives in Toronto and has written songs about them and the family bakery there. And that's why it was said that, Sal that Zalyanovsky could have made bagels. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Quite the musical family. Thought you should know. You're never too old to learn. Mazel tov. Grandchildren are one of the few things in life that are not overrated. I have four. Shabbat Shalom, DJ. <laughs> nice to have. Yeah, thanks and we for got, that. We got this beautiful <laughs> drawing. Let me pass this along to Michael. From Eric Londrigan, who is a wonderful cartoonist. Um, it's got the hammer and Bootsy and says, who's the new guy? And it's got the thin man, but we may be going to the captain. So, I mean, you're going to have to probably get Reed jerseys with 19 on them. Because that was Willis's number. <laughs> we have to do it. Stu sends a thing about the moon. Oh, yeah. And it's a fabulous picture of somebody shoveling, in effect, the moon, a yeah. big, bright, full moon. I can't so explain it So we thought the super moon was going to make the baby arrive a little earlier. And you think that's what happened because of the Apparently that patterns? drives everyone to the labor delivery ward. Okay. Wow. From Scott McClellan in Bethesda. Sorry, old man, but up on the roof is a top two summer song. 
I'm thinking you've become directionally challenged. Who wants to be up on the roof in the summer? You want to be under the boardwalk having some fun. Same group, Drifters. Yeah. Um, also a great summer song. Yeah. That's so maybe yeah, he's probably right. From uh, Bill in Ocala. I'm asking for nothing, to which is to say I'm not asking for anything, unless you have some extra boxes of that lying around, in which case I'll take one. From Robert in Kissimmee, Florida. Intrigued by your discussion of sand, I visited the Toy Hall of Fame online to see a complete list and was gladdened to find the stick and cardboard box included. Notably missing was the rubber band, so I nominated it for inclusion with a lengthy list of requisite reasons, which I find myself adding to throughout the day. If you're in agreement, I'd appreciate the support of the Tony Kornheiser Show as this will add some gravitas to my submission. If successful, I plan to go for the abandoned refrigerator. (laughs) I think the rubber band is legit. Sure. No, definitely. I think the rubber more so than sand. Yeah, yeah. much sand more deserving, and not even sand. just a utilitarian tool. This yes. is another DG. This is Drew Gartner in Iowa City. Slingshot. Sands tots sound to me like to be a first T division that specializes in teaching three to six year olds how to get out of bunkers. Please make this happen. From Mo C in Las Vegas, this past Sunday, 12th of June, I was on a Dallas to Vegas flight. After listening to your Friday podcast, I decided to see if any littles were on the flight. I asked the head flight attendant, when we land, and you give the welcome to Las Vegas announcement, can you please add a little cheeserie at the end to see if any littles are on the flight with me? Sadly, no shout-outs, but I'm hopeful this will lead to a new game with the littles. Maybe they will have better luck than me. This needs to happen. From Tim Ziegler in Martinsburg, West Virginia, home of great outlets. As a 32-year-old little, I'm not sure if I meet the demographic age bracket. I want to thank this high-quality program for all the years of content. I started out watching PTI in high school, and as I've researched, I found the show, radio show to listen to through college, and I've been little ever since. Along with sports, occasional politics, and weather reports, the best part of the show is how it brings people together. My excitement and joy went through the roof when I heard the email of Alex Tano. I hope I'm spelling that correctly of... It's Tino, a Tineo, t- I think. Tineo, something Tineo, like that. Tineo, right. Yeah. Of Martinsburg, West Virginia, Red. I don't know Alex, but knowing there's a little in my... St- same town is spectacular. Not great. And one more from Adam Leahy in Brownsburg, Indiana. Since you're using the start of the show to pass along a few personal messages to people in your life, like you did on Wednesday's show, I was curious if you could help me out. My brother and I, a fellow little, share wedding anniversaries this weekend. Could you let him know our dinner reservations are at 745 tonight at Convivio in Zionsville? We'll meet him there after they drop off their boys at Grandma and Grandpa's. Thanks for the help. If you're out on your bike tonight, as always, everyone, do wear white. Hola, nosotros somos Pineapple Landscape y escuchamos el show de Tony Kornheiser. Pero este show apesta. Sorcery. She tracked me out with my 
sure I'll always be exceptionally 